a circle. Simple, round, refined. A shape that was spoken into existence with the universe. And a shape that holds powerful meaning. We see this shape all over creation. The sun, stars, our earth. And we find it in some of our most precious possessions. It's a beautiful symbol of wholeness and completeness. A symbol of infinite motion. It's a shape that represents love and commitment and a symbol of unity. Unity, an idea of connectedness even when separated. To be a group of people moving in the same direction with the same heartbeat. It's an idea that we, as a family of churches, are better together than we are by ourselves. We were never meant to be alone. And we believe in being a community of action, that our love for one another will drive us beyond the four walls into our communities to share the transformative presence of God with our neighbors. It's a love that brings families back together. That's the community we strive to be, bringing heaven to earth. Amazing things happen when a group of people commit to one cause, when they rally around the same mission, something happens. You have a movement, a God-given mission and vision for our future. God has given all of us a unique part to play in accomplishing what he has set before us. And we are most impactful when we stay true to who God has called us to be, because the kingdom of God doesn't need any more replication of other ministries and it doesn't need any more imitation. What it needs is innovation that comes through obedience. For we experience no greater freedom than when we are walking in step with Christ and going where he has called us to go. But we know that our God is for us. And we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So here we stand with a lamp on our feet and a light on our path, coming alive to our calling. For we are Grace Capital Church, and this is our awakening. Well, I don't know uh, about you, but man, that first week, God's presence changes us. The second week, the Holy Spirit empowers us. The third week, people matter to us. And have you started seeing people differently this past week? I've heard stories from you and you've said, man, God is, God is helping me to see people differently. And Speaking about my son again, when he was little, probably three years old, he was probably, um, yeah, it was probably f- almost five years ago. We were going through a time where we didn't have as much finances in our, in our home. And we were talking about that. You know, when, when things are a little lean, you shop at the back of the stores where the day-old bread is and the dented cans are. And so they knew this is what we were doing. We were shopping in that, that way. And, and so my, we were talking about just different things. And my son comes into my room and I remember it so plainly. Remember, he's three years old. He obviously could scrounge around in trying to find the biggest coin that he could find because in his mind, the biggest coin represented the most value. And I, I thought about that this morning and I, and I rushed because I kept it in a special place. I keep this coin beside my bed to remember what it's like when somebody sees a need and then they scrounge around to find the, the biggest thing with the greatest value to have the greatest contribution. 
man, he was so generous that he was willing to give his prize, probably at that moment in his life, his most precious possession, which is a large co coin, 1974, Liberty, $1. And I remember, I keep it beside my bed because I, I, I think, man, we need to have faith like a child who doesn't hold on to things thinking like, oh man, if I give that away, oh, what will happen? Instead, he's thinking, what's the need and how can I best meet the need of somebody around me? Generosity. Generosity. Generosity doesn't think about my lack. It always thinks about somebody else's gain. It always thinks about others. And today we're going to read a scripture that helps us understand this principle of generosity. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 6. You see, what we need to begin to understand and what God has been showing me and what I really want all of us to get collectively is to live for God is just not to live for God, it's to live a different way. You see, the kingdom of God is not of this world, but it is in this world. I think sometimes when we read all the scriptures about talking about the kingdom of God, we think sometimes that's a future time and place. We call that heaven, but in the reality, it's here and now. The kingdom of God is to be lived here and now. And he's asking us to learn how to live in that way, to live towards the kingdom way, which is contrary to the world's way. That's why the scripture says that to be in the world, but not of the world, because of the world is we start living the world's way and it robs and steals from us every single time. But when we learn to live the kingdom way, it gives so much to us. So today, as we talk about generosity, as we talk about the principle of being generous found in the scripture, we'll, we'll realize that there's a way to live differently. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. We're going to continue on here in a moment, but let's pause there for just a second. Do you believe in the sowing and reaping principle? It's a kingdom principle. And we, we say we believe it, and maybe if you're like me, it's much harder to live this out because we somehow get attached to our things. And somehow they, they're our possessions begin to possess us. And we never mean for it to happen, but maybe it's because we kind of think we work for it, <laughs> and therefore it's ours. I think I was reflecting on this this morning, and I wonder if that's why the scripture says it's much harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I, 
think it's because the more resources that you begin to have, the more that you feel like you've earned them and then you possess them. And the reality is they were never for us to possess in the first place. When you think about the Garden of Eden, what did God do? He basically said, this is all yours. You are just to be caretakers of this. And for some reason, as time has clicked along and as, as we've gotten into this culture, we almost believe that, well, it's ours, but we just give 10% of it to God. Well, in reality, that's not true. It all belongs to God. And he just gives us the privilege of giving a portion back to him. And by the way, that portion is just a recommended baseline portion because that's Old Testament, which it's, it passes into New Testament too. But you know what? His grace in New Testament should give us greater grace that we might even be more generous than 10%. A few years ago, I was really challenged in this idea of giving. I love to give, but then for, it's true, as I began to have more, it almost seemed like it was harder to give. But I, my heart is I love to give, so I said, you know what? I've got to train myself to be more generous. And there's a training that happens. If, if for some reason it just doesn't get there, then, then train yourself. For Audra and I, what we decided to do is every single year, we would go up 1% in our giving. So I'm on year three of that, so 13%. And, you know, it's not about the percentage. It's about growing in the heart of generosity. I, I, I think this is a good plan until 20 years from now. <laughs> when I don't know how much is this a good plan. But, you know, God's grace will abound. That's what the scripture says. See, as we sow sparingly, we'll also reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, we will also reap bountifully. And my heart is for all of us to live a bountiful life. Each one must give what he's decided in his heart. The example I gave for me is what I've decided in my heart. That's not necessarily for you. But I went to the Lord and said, God, I want to grow in this area. And he loves a cheerful giver. But this is what a part I love. It says, he makes all grace abound to you. In other words, he, he will give you the ability. You just need to have the heart to want to do it. And then he'll give you the ability. But he says this, so you'll have all sufficiency. In other words, you'll have more than enough in all things at all times. You may abound, abound in every good work. Let's continue on. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed Multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Oh, see, here's, here's the key. Why does he enrich us? Why does he want us to have a generous heart so we can have more bounty? Why? So we can be more generous. So we can be more generous. So we can be in generous in every way, which 
through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing. It may give thanksgiving to God. So in other words, here's the giving. The giving goes to people, supply the needs of the saints, but also we give to the local storehouse, the church, give to God. By the approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because the surpassing grace of God is upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So God wants us to grow in generosity, give more freely, and so his bounty can come back to us, but for why? So we can be more generous. It's not for us to keep it and for us to continue to have more. See, we are generous when we're displaying a generous God. When we're generous, we're displaying a generous God. See, the idea, if you look at Acts 2, what was taking place in the early church, when they were saying, hey, they sold their possessions and nobody had a need and they just kind of all shared and, and we all kind of think that's like a little kumbaya moment and wouldn't that be a little nice to have a little community like that? Well, the reality is we should be like that, but it shouldn't be a small little tight-knit community. It should be why it's generous to show that we have a generous God and by the way, what took place in the early church that many came to know Jesus because of it. You see, when we start living out this life of generosity and display a generous father, a generous God, who wouldn't want to say, hey, I want in. I, win. I want in on that. Because they begin to see the very heart of God. You, you know how generous we know our father is in heaven? He gave... First of all, he loves to give, but he gave us his son. God himself allowed his son to go, and what an ultimate staff. He gave his most valued possession for us, that we might be able to have more and, and greater abundance. Man, I wonder what it would like be like if all of a sudden we started living that way, that we begin to look at the needs around us and we give the best of what we have. That we would give the best of what we have. The interesting thing about seed and sower, that scripture talks about, a seed must die, fall to the ground, for it to rise back up and multiply. Just think about this. If you are gardeners, I, I love vegetable gardening, although I planted way too many vegetables this year. It was just like got away from me. And so, but anyways, you take a seed. A seed seems to be dead, but it's just dormant. You plant it with the expectation it's going to produce a harvest, more than just the one seed that you planted. And that's what he's telling us. He's saying, by the way, if you understand this sowing and reaping principle, he says, first, you have to kind of die to your flesh because the reality is we like to hold on to. Our nature is selfish. And we've got to die to that selfishness and we've got to say, God, we want to live your kingdom way. And I'm going to 
plant myself into the place where you can allow my life to be multiplied that I would be generous to all those around me, that seeing the needs and the generosity goes into the ground and boom, all of a sudden we reap a greater harvest. Now, some would say that it is true that what you plant is also what will grow. So in other words, some people would say, well, if you want this, you better plant this to, to have this be increased in your life. But again, here's, here's where the prosperity gospel has maybe taken it too far. And I want to address this because I think what has happened, I feel like sometimes the prosperity gospel has hijacked the real truth of what we need to be preaching. And so we shy away from what, here's the prosperity gospel says, if you want something, you almost sow into that so you can get it. Now, in many ways, there, that's a truth, but it still becomes about you. See, the problem is, is really the whole heart of this is really to glorify God. It's to increase the harvest for his kingdom, not for our benefit. So he wants us to continue to invest and to sow. So we display our generosity for God's glory and not for our gain. For God's glory, not for our gain. Now, here's the, here's the funny thing about this. We do this the right way, and all of a sudden, we have this abundance in our life, and it's like we kind of get the fringe benefits of it. it. It is amazing. When you begin to live this way, and God flows the abundance in you, it's kind of like, well, that never really was my intention, that I have all of this bounty in my life. But it's the byproduct of a spiritual principle, a kingdom of God principle. Do you remember the woman who had the alabaster box of perfume? She had perfume and, and it was worth a year's wages. So just imagine with me for you, if your year's wages are $40,000, let's say, or you would take that value and she broke that perfume and lathered Jesus with it, poured it on Jesus. Now that was her most valuable possession at that time, worth a lot. And yet we didn't read about the increase of financial increase for her, but what we do read about is how God said, Jesus said that she will be forever remembered for as long as history is written. We read about her. It also brought me to this scripture that I was thinking about. A good name is better than riches. In Proverbs, it says that. So I wonder this bounty that he gives back to us, as much as I agree in the sowing and reaping principle that what you sow is also what you reap, I also believe that God's economy is also a little different. That I think that maybe it is when we live this generous life, it's, he talks about bounties, not necessarily about, hey, you sow money, you get money. Hey, you sow a car, you get a car. It really is about as you are faithful to sow into his kingdom, for why? For to display a generous God. That his bounty comes back to us, however God chooses to allow his bounty to come back to us, is so we, we can be more, more generous and it's so that he gets the glory. He gets the glory. Oh man, I want us to live this way as a church.
And by the way, we are. We are. I got this, uh, I got this email this morning up in Laconia, our Laconia team, uh, up for the Pumpkin Festival, which, by the way, is spectacular. They put on this amazing little event of generosity for the city. So they opened up the cafe doors. They had free coffee. They had, I think, over like 60 loaves of pumpkin bread. They had crafts for the kids. And all their intention was was to love on the city and to be generous with the city. But you know what happens when we do this? This is a, a text that was given or over Facebook of a person who just showed up on the church doors yesterday. He says, I'm not really much of a churchgoer, never really have been, but today up at the Pumpkin Fest, I ended up at Grace up there. They were doing coffee and pumpkin bread. What a warm, welcoming environment that was. Okay, that sounds nice. Of course, hey, warm, welcoming environment, but you don't know the backstory. The backstory is sent in the reply of this or this forward of this, uh, that Facebook post says, I want to say thank you. I was brought to tears tonight with a message from a friend of mine. His name is, I'm going to leave that out, and he's gay. He knows I'm a Christian, and we've had some talks about my faith and has pretty much shot down the idea of church on many occasions. Well, tonight he writes the following message, and I was on the verge of tears because of the Lord is moving in a mighty way. Our efforts as pastors are paying off and we're seeing the fruits of God's love through us in the people like this person, which I'm not gonna name. I wanted to share with you what he wrote because you all should know how truly amazing you are and how the Lord has woken us up as a church to a new awakening. It says, we plant seeds and you, my dear pastors, sow them, sow into them. Their hearts are open. We just need to show up. You see, people's hearts are open. And when we show up with a generous life, and by the way, generosity is just not about money. It's generous with your time. It's generous with your talents. But when we live a life of generosity, all of a sudden it opens doors to opportunity to show a generous God, not a condemning God. You see, so many people feel like the church is a condemning place or God is a condemning God. And, and the reality is that's so untrue. God is a good father. He's generous and he wants to restore and he wants to bring hope and life back to people. Do you also remember the story? It's in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles. Actually, 2 Chronicles, or it might be 2 Kings. It might be in both those places. But the woman with the, with the oil, basically, she had, her husband died, and she owed these debts. She had two sons, and her two sons were going to be sold into slavery because she couldn't pay her debt. And Elijah comes along, and and. And this woman says, Elijah, I just, I need help. And he says, what do you have? She says, all I have is one jar of oil. He says, go to all your neighbors and get as many jars as you possibly can. 
And he brings this, she brings these jars back and she begins filling all these jars and the oil never runs out. The interesting thing about this story is we read about it on the account of like, oh man, isn't God a miraculous God? But you know who he used to create that miracle? He used generous people. You see, unless her neighbors were generous to give their empty vessels, which had value, by the way, that they were willing to give this woman, and, and by the way, they wouldn't have gotten them back because these now vessels were being sold to pay her debt. But these people were being used in the miracle because of their generosity. Is God asking you to be part of a miracle that's going to take place because of your generosity? I think so. And it's going to display a generous God. And here's the interesting thing about not only does it display a generous God, we get to reap the benefits of it. All bounty then begins to flow upon us so we can be more generous. I know it's, it's tough. When you think about generosity, you think about the bounty coming back, your mind immediately goes to, man, what could I do with all that? And you come somehow against to get a little bit selfish again, like, man, I could do this. I could do this. Oh, man, that would make me feel so great. I could actually get that. But in the reality, he gives it back, and so you can be more generous. And here's the thing. This is what, I, what I've come to realize. You know where it says it's more blessed to give than to receive? God does something inside of us that becomes so beautiful a treasure that he builds something inside of us that is eternal, that we get to participate in the kingdom of God way of living that sets us on fire, that makes us contagious, that makes us alive on the inside. But it's a different way of living. It's the kingdom of God way of living. He wants us to be generous. He wants us to sow bountifully. And so we can reap bountifully. But if we keep holding on, if we keep holding tight, man, God can't get anything in that closed fist. But you start opening it up. It's like, God, everything I have is yours anyways. You can use it however you want. Remember, this is why we need the Holy Spirit tuning our ears to say, God, what are you up to? A couple of years ago, uh, a woman came into my office and um, she says, I, I need to give you this. And immediately my, my radars, I, I'm a little sensitive to women who come into my office that, you know, either one unannounced and number two, if I don't have anybody around me and I'm picking up some weird vibes, I was like, I quickly said, Greg, come on into the office with me. <laughs> She says, I, I really want to just give you this, uh, um, Pastor. And she goes, I've been looking for a job for a long time. And, and uh, I just feel like if I, if I give this to you, that, that I'll get a job. I, and I said, well, what is it? And she goes, well, I went in my retirement. It's $2,000 cash. I said, well, well, first of all, I feel very uneasy about receiving that personally. So I, I marched her right down to the place where she can get a tithe envelope. And I says, now, if you really feel like God is telling you, please do not do this as some 
you know, I give, therefore I'm going to get a job. I said, now, but if the Lord is saying this to you, but I had this sneaking suspicion that it was kind of this give to get thing. But that's fine. I'm not going to question that. I, I walked her down. She got her tithe envelope and, and she, she didn't. And for months later, she kept going, Pastor, how, I still don't have a job. I still don't have a job. I said, remember how I asked you if this was really from the Lord? Yeah, yeah. I said, you know, we got to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And not just do things because it's like the miracle potion. If I plant the seed, then miraculously, I'm going to get for my gain. I just tell you that story because it's a spiritual principle, but it, it works when our hearts are in the right place. And I want every single one of you here to, to experience the bounty that God has for you, but, but given the right intention, the way that I know that it's going to be right is when you listen to the Holy Spirit. I don't believe she heard from God. I, I, I knew she had just heard a teaching because she told me about pastors should receive double honor. Well, I love hearing that, of course. Um, bring it on, baby. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. For me, I just want to back that up. Some of you might have heard that and say, there you go. There's the pastor. He tried to get that in there. I want to let you know my, my posture on this. My posture is I'm here to serve each one of you. This, this is not a, this is not a, I appreciate pastor appreciation. I do. Thank you so much. And it feels great to know that you're appreciated. But I just want the best for all of us. And the best is that we need to apply God's principles to our life. We need to listen to his Holy Spirit. We need to follow his leading and walk out this kingdom way of living. You see, we can't just manipulate God's principles with removing the heart. We got to listen to what God is saying. We got to engage our heart. We got to follow his lead. But we do need to live the kingdom way, which is, it's a way of bounty. Who here wouldn't say they want to have a bountiful life? We all want to have this bountiful life. The way you have a bountiful life is you sow bountifully. Be generous. Live a generous life so we display a generous God. And so when God gives you back, you can be more generous and more people will come to know Jesus. See, that's the heartbeat of it all, that people would begin to see who this God is. And he'll get to see people who are walking in step with him and walking the kingdom way. And they'll be able to say, oh man, if this is real, if this is authentic, if this is the way it truly is, I want in. I want in. And of course we say, the doors are wide open. Come on in, taste and see that the Lord is good. This morning, I just want to encourage us to live a life of generosity. It's one of our values as a church. And I believe as we live this way, tuning our ears to the Holy Spirit, that he begins for our, our spiritual eyes to be opened up to the needs around us. The early church, they had no problem sharing with one another because they realized it all didn't belong to them anyways. But somehow we've grabbed a hold of it like it's ours. God has been challenging me on this as well. 
I want to live like my three-year-old son who took what he thought was the most viable possession that he had and he saw a need and he wanted to meet that need. God, give us that amount of faith to know that we are not going to be in lack when we're generous. But God, we can't outgive you and your bounty will come to us. But God, we don't put any framework of what that is. We just know that your word is true. And we give you permission to lavish your bounty on us, however you see fit. It might be a good name. It might be riches. It might be whatever. I'm just taking biblical examples, Lord. But one thing I do see is that you always get the glory for it at the end. It's not for our glory. It's not to puff us up to say, hey, look at, look at how I give because last I checked, it's the scripture tells us don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Basically, don't do it for show. Do it out of obedience to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Father, this morning, as we've turned everything over to you, now attune our spiritual ears to look around us, to see the needs of our neighbors. That God, we would be like the woman in with the jars of oil, that we would be used to be a part of somebody's miracle. There are people who are waiting for miracles to happen, but they're waiting for us. The Lord is waiting for us to respond to those miracles that are waiting to be happened. Father, I thank you so much for this church body. God, that you so love them and you want to be generous with them and you are generous with them. Help us to increase our faith and our trust in you, God, that as we are live a life of generosity that we know that we will never be people of lack. We'll be people of abundance, giving you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, we're gonna have the opportunity to live this out as we're getting into thinking about this Christmas season. In your life groups this week, we're gonna be continuing to talk about how we can be generous. We have outreach opportunities for you that you can get involved in. Remember, generosity is not just about your finances, but it's also about your time and your talents. Allow Lord to use you in all areas. Be generous. Be generous. Love you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week. I'll say see you next week, but I'm going to be up in Laconia next week. Have a great, have a great day.